Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Come on in and have a seat. Good to see you all this morning. Good morning. My name is Ryan Anderson. I'll wait. I can wait. I'll wait. Uh, you, you have 15 more seconds. This is actually the hardest part of preaching is knowing, like, reeling people in, pulling them away from conversations, knowing when I'm allowed to start. Um, <clears throat> but it is good to be with you this morning. I am Ryan Anderson. If you have not met me, it's nice to meet you. Um, I guess we didn't meet. How about this? I'll count to three and you just yell your name at me. That way we know. All right. One, two, three. I got it. All right. We are starting a new series today called Home. Here's how teaching team meetings work. Give you a little insight behind the scenes on teaching team meetings. We all come to teaching team meetings, the whole teaching team, and uh, we are we're supposed to pray about and think about series ideas that might be good for us to spend time on. And the way it works is we all write them on the board. I, I bring usually two or three every time, and they never get chosen. And so I become the butt of the joke of, like, we're never doing a si- every single joke. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this is actually my idea. Home is the name of the series. Uh, don't get too excited because it's one week. <laughs> it's like they're like, ah, we'll, we'll throw you a bone. It's a one-week series. Actually, not even a week. It's a day, like <laughs> 35 minutes tops. Unless you're Chris or Phil or something, that's like 95 minutes. But for me, <laughs> Illinois plays at 11:15 or so, so we'll we'll get you out. Um, so anyway, uh, home is the name of the series. Seems like it would be a great series for like four or five weeks, but just one. And so, um, I know. Virtual reality got three weeks. Let's talk about video games for three weeks. That's super spiritual. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I need you desperately. Uh, We all do. I pray that you would speak through me today. I pray, um, God, I am a selfish and broken person, and yet you have chosen me to bring this word this morning. Uh, Help me to honor you with the words that I say, and may the words that come out of my mouth be your words and not my own. Um, I pray for this church. God, we need you. We need Jesus. I pray more of your grace, more of your love, more of your favor over this church and the the sinners in it. Uh, We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to take you back a few years, high school, Ryan, um, normal community high school, 35 or so minutes east of here, home of the Ironmen. Um, when I was in high school, I was not a physically impress- impressive specimen, not like I am today at least, and uh, when I got my license, I was 5'2", 92 pounds, so that was Juliet with a starter jacket on, basically, that, that was me. In spite of that, I had friends. I had a good group of friends. Uh, they were fun, good people. They were 
smart. They were like the valedictorian type of people. Um, and I was pretty smart too. I got good grades in high school. I planned to go to U of I for business. I played soccer. I was on the soccer team. Um, and I was pretty good for someone that looked like a young gymnast girl. Uh, <laughs> made me quick and nimble. Uh, I was the center, starting center midfielder. And so if you don't know soccer very well, that's kind of like the quarterback of the, the soccer team. Very important, plays in the middle of the field. And that was my role. Um, and then senior year of high school, we had a really good team. We lost in super sectionals in a shootout, which was brutal, but um, I got over it. And so that fall of my senior year was good. My life was good. Our soccer team was winning. I was going to go to University of Illinois together with this group of friends who were all very close and tightly knit, and we had it all planned out. And homecoming was coming up, and homecoming, uh, there was a girl named Chrissy Hassel. She was the love of my life. To that point, to that point, my in-laws are here. She was the love of my life. To that point, I now have a new love of my life. Fashion, as you can probably tell, is the new love of my life. Just kidding, Lauren is. I love her. And she puts up with me. <laughs> she puts up with all this. So I was very happy. My senior year of high school, I was super happy. I had an identity. I was a good student. I was a good soccer player. I had a purpose to get into U of I, to score goals on the soccer field. Um, and I had a place to belong with this group of friends. Identity, purpose, belonging. All major questions in a teenager's life, in any person's life. And I had answers to those questions, or so I thought. The problem was, Chrissy Hassel was the love of my life. I was not the love of her life. Wasn't even the love of her month. I was none of that. Uh, she went to homecoming with Jason Whittison, who, just real jerk, if you ask me. Uh, so I didn't have a date. And about that same time, I tore my hip flexor taking a corner kick. And so I missed the rest of my... Uh, soccer season, and I got a letter from U of I saying that I didn't get accepted. And so, all long stories, but within the span of a month, essentially every pillar that I had built my life on was wiped out from under me, and my life kind of came crashing down. And there was more to it. There was uh, family divorce and a handful of different things that were a challenge to me when I was young. Um, but my identity, my purpose, and my belonging wiped completely out from under me. Um, and so, it seems small as I say it now. I mean, I look back and things have changed a lot, but at the time it was life-shattering for me in a lot of ways. Um, my identity, my purpose, and the place that I belong all got taken from me. And I've worked with enough high school students now to know that my story is not unique. I've worked with, I know enough people to, to realize that my story is not unique because identity and purpose and belonging are the deepest yearnings of our human heart, I think. The deepest yearnings of our human heart lie in answering those questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And where do I belong? So every single person answer these questions in some way. Um, sometimes they answer it with the truth of the gospel, and sometimes they answer it with counterfeit truth. Truth that, like me, a, a 
place on the soccer team, a hot girlfriend, a nice car, a good job, a full bank account, a position in the church, whatever that is, they answer it with counterfeit truth, with lies. And uh, right now, we're in the midst of a time in history where counterfeit answers to identity and purpose and belonging are everywhere. You know, the news, social media, I mean, it can be good things too. It can be being a parent, a mom or a dad, or it can be, I mean, having a good job. Those, those are good things, but they are counterfeit truth at times. Um, and here's what I want to kind of present to you today. The church, this church, you are here today, and that's a good thing because the answers to each one of those questions, identity, purpose, and belonging, can be found right here in this church. What's my identity? What's my purpose? Where do I belong? You're in the right place because those questions can be answered right here. But let me make this clear. Church can answer those questions, but they are not the answer to those questions. So I'll get to that soon. Um, Identity, purpose, belonging. Let me answer life's biggest questions in the next uh, 25 minutes. Here we go. How does church answer the question of identity? I would say it reveals our identity by reminding us of God's identity. Because think about it. You are made in the image of God. And so if we don't know God's identity, then we'll never, ever, ever be able to understand our own identity. And obviously, we'll never fully understand, never fully know the identity of God. He's way too big and powerful and wonderful for us to fully comprehend that. But we can learn about it. We can learn about the identity of God. We can learn to grow in it and understand it better. Um, And even as we look at the Bible, there's a place in the Bible where the disciples finally begin to understand Jesus' identity. They've spent a lot of time with him. They had just, um, Peter and the disciples had been spending significant time um, well, with Jesus, these the disciples had, um, and they had just seen him feed 5,000 people, a few loaves and some bread, and he, he did this miracle, and then they had just seen him heal a blind man, and now they're just hanging out with him. Jesus hanging out with his disciples in Mark 8. Mark 8, 27 through 29 says this, um, <clears throat> Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? That's an identity question. Jesus is asking, what do people say about my identity? Who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, some of the prophets, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. What about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ, the one who will save us. So one thought here is that we all hear about Jesus' identity. Maybe your grandma told you who Jesus is. Maybe your parents raised you to know who Jesus is. Those are great things. But at some point in our life, every one of us has to go and answer that question. But what about you? Who do you say Jesus is? And here, Peter, it's great because he says, he gets it right. He says, you are the Christ, the one who will save us. Another translation says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So this is the first time that the disciples 
um, realize or say, proclaim that Jesus is more than just a guy. He's more than just a prophet. He is Lord. That is his identity. And them proclaiming that is a big deal. Jesus is God in the flesh. And for them and for us, if that's the case, then all of a sudden we know a whole lot more about our own identity once we understand that about God's identity. Acts 17.28 says this, It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. These are truths about our identity. But they're true about us only because of what is true about Jesus. And I could go on. There's tons and tons of scriptures, obviously, that tell us about our identity in Christ. If you have time, read Ephesians 1 and 2 and maybe even 3. Have a highlighter with you and just start highlighting truths about your identity that Ephesians 1 through 3 talks about. And I promise you, your page will be bright yellow or green, depending on what kind of highlighter you choose to use. Um, Here's the thing. If your church is pointing you to Jesus, then it is answering the question of your identity. You are a son or daughter of the king. We sang about it today. We, um, we sang about pieces of our identity. And I hope as you sang that, you embraced the truth that you are singing. You are a son or daughter of the king. You are forgiven. You are free. You are an heir to the throne. Each one of those things, and again, I could go on, is only true because there's something else that's true about Jesus. Aspects of our own identity come directly from the identity of Christ. Let's think about this. If Jesus is loving, then I am loved. If Jesus is forgiving, these are truths about Jesus, if Jesus is forgiving, then I am forgiven. If Jesus is trustworthy, then your identity is that you can be honest with him. If Jesus is with us, then we are not alone. If Jesus is caring, then you are cared for. If Jesus is gracious, then you are redeemed. If Jesus is attentive, then our needs will be met. If Jesus is whatever, then that says something about us because his identity speaks to our identity. And so at some point, if you're ever questioning what is my identity, open the Bible, read about the attributes of God, write them down and say, if Jesus is blank, then I am blank. Because that will change your perspective of your identity. Um, <clears throat> back around Christmas time, I've got to be careful within who's in the room here. Christmas time, uh, Santa Claus showed up to our house. And it was amazing. We got a text from our neighbor who on Christmas Eve said, hey, are you guys home? Someone special would like to stop by. And so we were home. It was Christmas Eve. And uh, we said yes. And all of a sudden, we had a knock on the door. And the boys ran to the door, and they opened it. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. Um, seven-month-old didn't run to the door, just a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, they 
ran to the door, they opened it, and there was a gift there sitting on the porch for them. And as they open the door, they see the gift first, obviously, but then they see Santa Claus himself walking back across the street um, to the North Pole. And they freaked out, and they loved it, and Jet was like, he just couldn't help himself. He was like, thanks, Santa. And Santa turns around in his full costume and bowl full of jelly belly and everything, said, Merry Christmas, Jet. And as Jet is shutting the door, he looked at me with the biggest smile, and he said, he knows my name. He knows my name. And the joy that Jet felt, knowing that Santa knew his name, should pale in comparison to the reality that God, the creator of the universe, knows our name. And he loves us, and he knows your heart, and he knows the deepest longings of your soul, and he cares for you, and he, the king of kings and the creator of the universe, died for you. And so he doesn't just know your name, but he knows everything about you. He loves you. He knows your identity. And that, God knowing that about us and speaking his breath into us, um, that is our identity. Our identity is a sinner, but a deeply loved sinner. And those two things, church should remind us of. You are a sinner. <laughs> there you go. There's your church reminder for the day. You're a sinner. Uh, people in the church is where the sin of our hearts is revealed within the people around us and at church. So you're a sinner, but, and that's a big but. There's a lot of big buts in the Bible. This is a big but. But you are a deeply loved sinner. And church is also where we should be reminded that in spite of our sin, we're forgiven and we're free because that is our identity because of what Jesus did on the cross. So there's your answer to identity for, for the day. Purpose, here we go. The church can reveal our identity by reminding us of God's identity. What about purpose? How does the church remind us or, or answer the question of purpose? Um, my job, I work for Youth for Christ. My job has taken me and, to, and given me the opportunity, really, to spend time in a lot of churches, which is cool. Um, and one thing I see over and over and over is this. Over the door on the way out is a big mural or a plaque or a painting or something with Matthew 28 on it, the Great Commission. And that's a great reminder of our purpose. As you leave these doors, go and make disciples. And there are a lot of really, really good people, people who follow Jesus, who get their purpose from church. Pastors, leaders, youth leaders, worship leaders, a whole lot of people who aren't even employed by the church. Um, their purpose is to go. Go and do things for God. Right there in Matthew 28, Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so many, many people take Jesus' words and they say, that's it. That's my purpose, to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go make the best worship music I can. I'm going to go to Africa and build orphanages. I'm going to go downtown and feed the homeless. I'm going to go 
to church and I'm going to serve on the leadership team or in kids' church or whatever. I'm going to go, 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 go. But here's what they miss. That's Matthew 28, 17 chapters earlier. Jesus doesn't say go. He says, come. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Come to me. 17 chapters earlier, before he's telling us to go, he's telling us to come. And we need to understand that Jesus' invitation for us to go comes 17 chapters after he asked us to come to him. He extends an invitation to us way before a commissioning of us. There's no shortcut here. It's a first we come, then we go. Come to him first, then we go. And it's the same with Peter and Andrew and many of the disciples when he's calling disciples to him. He says, come and follow me. And then he says, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. And then is the fulfillment of their, their purpose. But first it's come. So if you are hearing my voice right now, you have been called to a purpose. And your purpose is first to come and then to go and do God's work. You've been called to give your heart to Jesus first. In, in that verse, it says, simply join your life with mine. Join your life with his, with Jesus. That's it. Then you have been called to give of yourself the work of advancing God's kingdom and to obey the commands of the king. You've been called to become aware that your life is no longer your own because you've been bought with a price. And because that price has been paid, everything you do, everything you say, every move you make can be done in celebration instead of obligation. You can celebrate by the things that you do instead of feeling obligated to serve the king. The work you do to fulfill your purpose of advancing God's kingdom, it shouldn't be done in an attempt to earn God's favor. Um, Instead, it should be done as an act of worship. It should be done um, as an act of worship for the favor that has already been earned by Jesus on your behalf. Um, So you don't have to worry if you're not enough. You don't have to worry if you've messed things up. You don't need to be afraid that God will be disappointed in you because you didn't do enough or you didn't do it right or you failed because all of that was covered by Jesus. And that is why we come before we go. So all you need to do is in worship and in thankfulness and in obedience to what God is calling you to, go out and do the work of advancing his kingdom, but only after you come and sit at his feet first. That is your purpose. And so when it comes to church, if your church, and I'm, I know I realize we're in church here, but if your church is pushing you to serve in kids more than they are pushing you to come to Jesus, that's a problem. If you feel like your purpose in this church is to serve, you're right, it is, You should find your place to serve, but not before you come to me, as Jesus says. Come, sit at the feet of Jesus first, and then fulfill your purpose. Even the leadership team, half the leadership team is on vacation this week, conveniently. Uh, 
if you feel like your purpose as a, a leadership team member is simply to be on the leadership team and to guide and direct and lead, but not to come to Jesus first, you should not be on the leadership team. And I'm not calling anyone out specifically on purpose, Isaac. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Last week was like the Comedy Central presents Alex Gray's roast of the leadership team, so I wanted to jump in on that. Uh, no matter who you are, your purpose is to come and then go, right? It's, it's both, but order is important. Come and then go, both. Order is important. Like putting on pants and underwear, order is important. Belonging, so that's identity, then purpose. What about belonging? What does church say about belonging? How does the church answer that question? First of all, why don't you all stand up real quick? Stand up if you can. And look around you. I would guess that many of you can say your best friend is in this room. I would guess that many of you can say that you have family in this room. I'm guessing that many of you have met your spouse because of church, because you are part of a church. Church is a place to belong. That is what it is. There's a reason we call this series home. You can all sit down. <clears throat> we want church to feel like a home to you. That's what it should feel like. Um, Genesis 2.18 says this, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And keep in mind, that was in paradise. That was in the Garden of Eden, in paradise. And if that is true in paradise, if it's not good for man to be alone in paradise, how true is it in a fallen and broken world? We need each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so when I'm suffering, I need you. And this is a, a, a not me preaching, this is an ask. <laughs> when I'm suffering, I need you. When I am doing well, I need you. And that is true for each one of us. I don't think that's just true of me. I think that's true of each one of us. Um, and so belonging, we need a place to belong. And church can be a place to belong. Um, anyone like Jeopardy in here? I'm a big Jeopardy fan. Guess it's just me. That's cool. <laughs> Jeopardy is a game show that asks trivia questions in the form of, or wait, yeah. They, yeah, they ask questions in the form of answers, and you have to answer them in the form of questions. So that's probably why none of you like it, because it's stupid. But um, I'll, I'll watch Jeopardy often, and I'll get like four questions in a row, right? And I'm like, I could go on the show. I think I probably would win Jeopardy if I went on it at this point in my life. Um, then I'll get a fifth one, and I'm like, I'm the smartest man alive. And these people are idiots, because they didn't know that the capital of the United Arab Emirates is, I should have gone with a different example, because <laughs> Abu Dhabi, maybe, Dubai, one of the two. Um, <clears throat> so then I realize, I, I get five in a row, right, and I'm feeling good, and then I miss, like, the next 12, and I'm like, okay, I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. And so 
I realize that on Jeopardy, but it's not just in Jeopardy that I realize I don't know things. I realize that in life, there's a lot about myself that I don't know. There's a lot about God that I don't know. Uh, Paul Tripp, one of my favorite authors, says, I'm blind to my blindness. And if I'm blind to my blindness, then I need you. I need other people, family, friends, church members, every person in this room to show me and speak into my life and show me what it is that I don't know about myself. And so let's make church, let's make this church, but also every church, a place where we can be authentic about our weaknesses. Let's make church a place where we don't have to fear that we'll be judged. Let's make church a place that is so safe that the worst of me can be known and I won't be loved less for it, but more for it. And the only way that happens is if church is centered around Jesus. Because this church is filled with some sinners. Like, like I'm, I'm just going to remind you of that one more time. Um, this church is filled with gossipers. It's filled with uh, people with short tempers. It's filled with people like me. Um, but I also know and I believe that it's filled with people who deeply love Jesus. <clears throat> people like Rochelle, people like Jared, people like many, 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 many of you in these seats. And the reality is, is um, if that's the case, then this can be a place where sinner, but deeply loved sinner, filled with similar people is a place that should be pretty easy to belong. And so this church and every church needs to be a place where we can belong, a church that's home. Um, and here's the reality. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you don't feel like you belong yet. And you're sitting there and you're like, I, don't, I really don't think I belong. Um, I get that, and that's okay. I feel that at times. Um, and there's lots and lots of reasons for that, but a couple reasons. One is maybe you just haven't found your connection yet, and that's all right. Hang in there. Stick with it. Peyton's looking for a best friend, apparently, she was saying. Um, <clears throat> although, I might want to skip her and go to someone else. Just, <laughs> just kidding, Peyton. Um, all right, so A, you maybe didn't find your connection yet. B, um, maybe you've been coming to church a little casually. When I worked, before I worked for Youth for Christ, I worked for Bosch Tools. And Bosch Tools was out north of, or I don't know my directions either, but Grand Prairie. Picture Grand Prairie just past that. Um, <clears throat> senior year of college, I got this internship with Bosch Tools. Lawn and garden department, if you need to know anything about sprinklers or hose-end products, I'm your man. Um, senior year internship, I was really excited about it. Me and my friend Mark Valera got this internship together. Um, and we were ready to put our marketing skills to work. We had just spent four years at Bradley and 70000 some dollars at Bradley um, trying to uh, learn them, so we might as well use them. And so we got this marketing internship, and we get there. And the first six months of the internship, we put together IKEA furniture. They had just got a bunch of new furniture for the office, and they need people to put it together, and so the interns can do it. And so six months, we just sat there putting together IKEA furniture. And 
During that time, eight hours a day, putting together IKEA furniture, Mark and I became very good friends. Um, <clears throat> and we also began to realize, like, even though this job should be serious, we kind of took it as a joke. Um, we ended up, we had casual Fridays. And so casual Fridays was, we had an opportunity, basically, to um, wear jeans to work. And Mark and I would wear jeans the first couple weeks. And then we were like, let's see how casual we can get on Friday. So pajama pants, gym shorts. Um, I, one time I wore a Bulls jersey, no shirt under it or anything, just a tank top Bulls jersey. Mark ended up, I think he won, he wore like what he would wear to mow the grass. So like, you know how your shoes get green and nasty and when you mow the grass, that was probably the worst we did. Um, but that was Casual Fridays. And we quickly went from a job that was a, really an important thing in our lives to something that we were taking way too casually. And I wonder if that has happened to us in church. Something that should be very, very important that suddenly we're a little casual about. So my question to you is your church attendance becoming a little too casual? Because sometimes it can start out as, well, we're out of town on Sunday. We can't go to church. And that's understandable. That happens. Leadership team is a good example here. Um, but then it's like, well, I was out kind of late on Saturday night. Maybe we should just sleep in and not go to church. Or maybe it's just like, well, let's just watch online this morning. I'll do that. Or then all of a sudden it's like, well, I haven't been to church in a month. And here's what I know to be true. If your church attendance has become casual, then there's a real good chance that your relationship with Jesus is also becoming pretty casual. And so if church attendance feels like a small thing, I think it's important to realize maybe it's not. I read a quote one time. I wish I could tell you who it was, but it was a small thing repeated is not a small thing. Foster, our three-year-old, was playing in the backyard. The weather's nice. Uh, last week, I think it was. And he was playing with this dump truck. All our kids do is push around dump trucks around the backyard. And so it's a big dump truck. It's not like a little Hot Wheels thing. It's not even a Tonka. It's, a, it's like up to my knees, probably. Um, and I had noticed um, it was filled with these like baseball and softball sized rocks. And first of all, I'm like, where'd you get those rocks? Because we don't have them in our yard. And he said, the neighbor's yard. And so, cool, making friends with the neighbors already. Um, <clears throat> but then it was time to clean up. And Foster's like, I can't do it. It's too big. And I went to lift up this truck because I was going to put it away, put it, dump them. We have the sand pit in the backyard. I was going to dump them back there and put the truck away in the shed, and I could hardly lift it. Because one by one, my three-year-old, who I am stronger than, believe it or not, in spite of what he might tell you, had put these probably four or five-pound rocks in the back of this dump truck. And suddenly, this dump truck was weighing about 75 pounds. I don't know how much it was, but he couldn't move it, and I couldn't lift it. And stop. It, maybe it was like 400 pounds. I don't know. I didn't weigh it. Um, 
either way, one at a time, one small thing at a time, it went from a three-year-old making this too heavy to even budge. And so let that sink in when you feel like maybe going to church is too big of a burden. One small thing, going to church, has become too big of a burden. One week it's maybe not a big deal, but eventually, one by one, week by week, it adds up. And also, keep that in mind, when you think that being a greeter at the door doesn't make a difference. Keep it in mind when you feel like sitting by someone who is here for the first time and sitting alone doesn't matter. Keep it in mind when you feel like inviting someone to lunch after church isn't that important. Keep it in mind when you feel like one small act of love or justice or mercy isn't important because one by one by one, those things add up and they make a significant difference in this city, in this church, in this world. Because a small thing repeated is not a small thing at all. So don't just attend church, but invest in church. Make it your home. Find a church where you belong. And hopefully it's this church, but if it's not, I get it. I, I want you to find a place where Jesus, where you're being filled with Jesus. Paul opens Romans, which is a letter to a church, by saying this. And you are among the chosen ones. Let me start over. And you are among the chosen ones who are called to belong. But, so that's how he opens the letter. You are among the chosen ones who are called, called to belong. He isn't saying they're called to belong to the church, even if that's true. He isn't saying they're called to belong to this small group or that small group, even if that's true. What he's saying is you are called to belong to Jesus, the anointed one. And we may go to church and we may belong to a small group. We may um, belong to all these things. But if we have not found that we belong to Jesus, and we have not found our belonging. We are a member. We belong to the family of God. Real quick, I want you to think of the top five church services you've ever been to in your life. I'll give you eight seconds to do that. Top five church services you've ever been to in your life. Now, I want you to think of the top five people in your life who have made an impact on you. And if you're anything like me, you're, when I mention the church services, you're probably racking your brain. Maybe you're like, well, this one's been pretty good so far, I guess. I don't know. But that's so much harder to think of. And when I say, who are the people who have impacted your life, people probably start jumping to the front of your mind. And here's why. Because a good church service, great worship music, great message, those are great things, but it's the people, it's the belonging to a church that's important. That's what impacts a life. And so I don't care if at the end of the day we say, you know, after this you go home and you say, man, that was such a good service. Like, I hope you do. I, the worship was great. Um, but my hope is that God might look down and say, what a beautiful group of people who loved me and worshiped me and gave their hearts to me today. And so identity, who am I? Purpose, why am I here? Belonging, where do I fit? 
But I hope you've heard me say this. Church is not the answer to those questions. It has the answer to those questions, but it's not the answer to those questions. Jesus is the answer to those questions. Only Jesus is. I was talking to Becca before church about Disney, Disney uh, Land. We went to Disneyland this year in October for the first time. Let me just say, whoever said Disneyland is the happiest place on earth did not bring a two-month-old with them. Uh, the happiest place on earth is in the car on the way home when all your kids are exhausted and sleeping and you're about to get back to your place. Um, it was an amazing trip, magical trip. I had never been to Disney, so I was super excited. And what amazed me about Disney was how, like, obviously the, the castle and the characters and everything was super cool, the, the rides. Um, but what amazed me was how big it was. Not just the park itself, but, like, even leading up to the park, there was an interstate system built specifically for Disney to get there. Miles and miles of road just to get there. And you see signs along the way that say, you know, Animal Kingdom this way, Magic Kingdom this way, three miles, two miles, one mile. We're getting there and we are driving in the car and Jet is freaking out because we're almost to Disney. And I'm kind of freaking out a little too because we're almost to Disney. Um, and eventually we get to this sign that goes over the interstate that says Disney World where dreams come true, really big. And we get to that sign, and this is like the culmination of our excitement, and Jet is still going nuts in the back, and we get out our phones, and we kind of try to take a picture of this, um, and we didn't stop at it. We just kept on going, because we didn't want to get to this sign. We wanted to get to Disney. That sign was not the thing. That sign pointed us to the thing. And if we had stopped at that sign and spent the day there, we would have missed the joy that Disneyland had to offer. And church is not the thing. Jesus is the thing. Church points us to Jesus. And if we stop at church and don't get Jesus, then we are missing the thing. And it's not just the thing. It's the answer. He gives us our identity. He gives us our purpose. He helps give us a place to belong in his kingdom. Your identity is in Christ. Your purpose is to come to him and to glorify him. And you belong in his family. I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. And I want you to answer these questions in your head. What is my identity? What is your identity? Where are the places that you might be believing a lie about your identity? What are the things that other people, other things, other media, whatever, are shouting at you about your identity that you need to push away and you need to say, no, my identity is in Christ. What is your purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing on earth? What are the things in your life that you have placed at the center that are calling, that you're calling your purpose that maybe really aren't your purpose? What are the things that you have put in front of God, in front of glorifying Him, 
in front of coming to him before you even go. Maybe, you're, maybe you've jumped the gun and you're going and you're doing things for God, but you're not sitting with God. What are those things and what needs to change? And then belonging. Where do you belong? Do you feel alone right now? Do you feel like you don't belong? Do you feel like you are so different and so far from the other people in this room that you have nothing in common with me? I can promise you, you have something in common with me. Because I'm a a sinner, but I am a deeply loved sinner, just like every other one of us in these seats. And so Jesus, I pray today, I pray right now that you would be with us, that you would remind us of our identity in Christ, that you would remind us of our purpose to glorify you, and you would remind us that we do belong. We belong to your family. We belong to your kingdom, Lord. God, I just ask that we would never forget that and that we would live our lives as if that is truth. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.